You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio, and it's time for A Place for Veterans. And our host is Dr. DDS and MD, Don Moeller from Columbus, Georgia. And uh, we're glad to have Don on the line, and he's got a very interesting uh, subject we're going to talk about with PTSD. But before, like with all of our veteran shows, we start out with a moment of silent prayer. And uh, particularly as it is getting cold and colder, keep these people in mind that are spend the nights out in the elements. And I just, I hurt farm night before last when it was pouring down rain and cold and um, we got to take care of these folks and any way that we can if you can afford to buy plastic drop cloths you'd be amazed how they help uh, keep you warm and keep you dry and uh, anything that you can do to help those that are out in the elements and it's certainly a shame if it's a veteran be it a man or a woman, or their families. So with that, let's have a moment of silent prayer, and then we'll be back with another little treat that we do. Be right back. Can you just imagine being cold and hungry and wet? God, please help those that need your helping hand now and that are on the street, our veterans and those that haven't served. Anyone that's out in the elements, we ask that you comfort them in whatever way it is possible. With that being said, as a veteran show, and we have a lot of veterans that tune in to our different shows, and, uh, for instance, this show, and, uh, our Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and during the week we have other veterans on. But we also like to get our hearts to pumping. We all love those cadence calls, the Jodies. And there we go. So, good morning, Don. How are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling great, uh, 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 Dave, especially reminding me and flashing back to the early mornings with the cadence calls. 
<laughs> got your head straight, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I always looked at the cane. Good the morning, and excuse me for being and, a little uh, bit tardy oh, and late, you know, you and uh, that it's all my fault. And I uh, want to remind everybody, if you haven't voted, get out and vote. And uh, get, we got to kick ago, Warnock out of uh, the Senate. So the way we do that is... First we lieutenant, your platoon lieutenant put would start up Mr. Walker in, and, and uh, the, the sooner you can get that done, the better off we all are. And, and with, with the you, you whoops, been, whoops, whoops, wait a second. You're listening to America's Web Radio, and uh, we're about to do our a, a great show, and more and more people are listening to it, and more and more people are commenting on it. Called a place for veterans, and our host is Dr. Don Moeller. And uh, Don is not only a dental surgeon, but he's also an MD, and uh, he's just absolutely incredible. And uh, you know, we've uh, we've talked. And uh, good morning, Don. How you doing? Well, good morning. Thanks for making me a general surgeon. I'm actually an oral and maxillofacial surgeon, <laughs> but that's 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 quite a compliment. How are you doing this morning, Dave? I'm doing fine, and uh, just you know, uh, running a bit behind, but uh, you know, uh, sometimes uh, that happens. You know, you just can't get away from it. But we're always glad to have you on the show and with us, and. Uh, we uh, look forward to having a, a great show this morning, and uh, we're going to uh, let's see here. Let's uh, let's do this first. Uh, we we think about, and I don't know where. Uh, the other night we just had a. a terrible storm in Atlanta and uh, every every time that we do I think about the veterans that are homeless and uh, so we start our shows with uh, a silent time that we ask that people take that moment and uh, you know pray for our veterans and also for our people that are on active duty right now. So we'll take a moment. We'll be right back. Also do one other thing, and I know as a uh, military medic, uh, getting through in San Antonio and becoming a medic, that I bet you used to hear a couple of these every now and then. And uh, we'll play one, and uh, yeah, yeah, hey, oh man, 
Oh, yeah. He can hang. He can hang. Young man. Young man. He can hang. He can hang. Feels good. Feels good. So good. So good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, we've got our hearts going, and uh, everybody remembers the Jodies and the uh, Cadence calls. And so, with that being said... <laughs> We have our Dr. Don on, at the, and uh, he's already discussed uh, some of what he wants to talk about today. So, Don, let's go. Well, thanks, Dave. I really appreciate it. First of all, uh, I want to tell you about something I found on the Internet, a great, a great a free magazine. It's a digital format. It's called Combat Stress Magazine. And it's put out by the American Institute of Stress. That's a, a series, a, a group of good folks, well-trained psychologists, physicians, researchers. So that's called Combat Stress Magazine. If you Google that, just put Combat Stress. Make sure you put magazine on that. And you will be arriving at their website, and you'll be able to click and join for free. Uh, to get that magazine. It's well worth it. And let me say to our first responders, uh, nurses included, and obviously veterans, uh, this magazine is for you. They don't let junk go in there. It's only good. It's, it's a peer-reviewed magazine. So that's a, that's a high quality. I'd like to recommend that again, uh, because, uh, it hits the points that, uh, combat veterans and first responders uh, are, are confronted with. So today, what I'd like to do, uh, we've done five or six programs and presented a lot of information. And so this time, I want to just go through uh, much slower, and, and I call this hit the high points. So the way to address any problem is to look at its structure. So the structure of PTSD, it's an injury. And when you understand what the injury is, you can start to formulate a therapy for it. So any wound of war, and we're calling PTSD a wound of war and a service from our first responders, you're going to need to get a plan for rehabilitation. And that rehabilitation therapy has to focus on the aspects of the injury. So the orthopedic injury, let's say, for example, the goal is to do things to the patient which will aid in restoring the movement back to normal. Now, for a veteran or a first responder, this is how are you going to navigate the terrain in the new environment in other words, how are you going to work? How are you going to get around the home? So what they do is they want to normalize or maximize the rehabilitation of that injury. Now, why am I bringing this up on a, on, on a, on a program about PTSD? Well, the way we look at PTSD, the modern way, uh, I compare it to the, let's say, a broken arm. You have to be re rehabilitated. That may mean surgery or maybe wearing a cast, but it's going to, the point of it 
when you're injured, you already know you're injured, and it's pretty obvious, especially if you've had surgery. You, you stare at the scar, and you know you have a cast on, and it reminds you. But what, what happens in the, in, in the people who get PTSD? Well, you can't see the injury, and that, that makes it kind of starting behind the line with respect to the observable injuries. But let's, let's look at the structure of PTSD. Now, when you get up in the morning and you've got PTSD, your day starts, and you've got to get through that day. And there are five domains that are involved. One is the internal domain. And you've got to, every day you get up, you kind of got to just realize you're going to go through this gauntlet. This You've got to traverse this environment. And it's, it's, it's based on social things. It's inter, interactions. It's based on behavioral things. And it's based on spiritual uh, dimension. So the first dimension is the internal dimension. And that's the intention to get better. And we'll talk about that in a minute. The next one is the interpersonal relationships. You got to concentrate on these, just like looking down at your scar or looking at a cast. These are things that are going to affect you the very next day. The interpersonal deals with healing relationships and healing organizations, and that doesn't necessarily mean the Red Cross. The next one, the third one, is easy external. The healing spaces where you don't want to try and heal and where you do want to try and heal. The fourth one is the behavioral. These are like healthy lifestyles and integrating in, into maybe a new environment. And the last one is the spiritual realm and the moral realm. And we're going to talk about this more at length. Um, first one we're going to deal with is the internal. Now, what is that? Now, we're going to get into a little bit of philosophy now, if you, if you break your arm or get a frag wound in combat, there's not a whole lot of thinking going on with that. You got over it, and you, you, got a, you got a physical wound, and you get a physical purple heart. But in PTSD, you're kind of in a different group with respect to the military. So what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the conscious and mindful determination to improve the health of oneself. Now that is an internal healing which needs to take place. And, and where does that occur? That's going to occur Break. in the core of your being. You go, well, what is that? Well, phrases like the real you or your soul that is worth fighting for or your heart and soul. These are common expressions. Are they defined no, they're not really well defined, but everybody knows that they exist. Now, I look at the internal aspects as the seat of your personality, or your center point, or your stable center, or the true you as you understand it. Now, we're not first responders, surgeons, and other folks aren't real philosophers, so we kind of get where we're going with it but this is not going to be turned into a philosophy class. And I thought when I was writing this, my dog, my little street stray, looked up at me, and, and I'm going to put this in there. It's the person 
your dog believes you are. And so that, I think, we, first responders and veterans get it. The person your dog believes you are, he knows the real you maybe better than you do. So, all right. And we're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. On August 8th. 2022, in violation of the Fourth Amendment, the FBI performed a most egregious search of a former president's home. The Fourth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution provides that the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched, and the persons or things to be seized. The Fourth Amendment originally enforced the notion that each man's home is his castle, secure from unreasonable searches and seizures of property by the government. We must take a stand, and take back our country. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. And we're back on America's Web Radio, and uh, we do appreciate our listeners, and we appreciate our patrons that uh, keep us on the air with their contributions to uh, America's Web Radio. And if you'd like to become part of the family, just go to our website and uh, take a look at americaswebradio.com and all our great programming. And I want to thank all of our hosts. And uh, we've just gone through Thanksgiving and what I was, uh, one of the things that I was most thankful for, besides my religion, uh, was the fact that I have good health. And the second is that uh, we have incredible hosts like Dr. Don Moeller that's on the air with us right now. And uh, they're just absolutely incredible. They they take an hour out of their week and do the show. But more importantly, they take about two or three hours out of the week to do the show and prepare for it. And they do a fantastic job. And Don, I, you're at the top of the list and I, we do appreciate it. Well, thank you, Dave. I want to kind of pick this back up where we left off. If you go in and you have a uh, frag wound, you know, from 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 battle, and your and your surgeon said, you know, how do you understand this? If in the view of your personality, uh, we'd look at him and we'd go, what what's what's going on here? Are you on drugs? It, I've never been asked that, and in any of my patients that I've met, I've never said, how do you think this injury is going to affect your life? And not once. Well, with the injury of PTSD, the soldier, the veteran, the first responder has to undergo your own, first of all, your own necessary introspection. You, you participate in your treatment plan. You have to do a self-examination on a deep level because you're pretty much not going to have this done by your caregivers. That's They're interested, you have to remember, on the treatment. 
they, they like to move you along the treatment trail, so to speak. But for you to advance in your healing in PTSD, you have to you have to go and do a deep dive. You cannot just treat this like a frag wound. So, and here's the reason. The real you has been violated by a PTSD event, whether it's trauma, military sexual trauma. You've been violated. Sure, a frag wound has violated you, but so has a scrape wound when you fall down or you broke an arm in a sports event. There's no moral injury in that. But in PTSD, you're going to have to deal with a moral injury that's taken place regardless of how you personally feel about it. You know, first responders, veterans are not touchy-feely people or we wouldn't have been in the Army or do what we do. I want to go to the book of Job, and we're going to refer to that uh, throughout this, this and in the next, probably the next broadcast, but it's, it is the fundamental book of the Bible, and this is, we're not going to be jumping into theology here, but you need to understand chronologically, from a historical spec perspective, the book of Job is the first book of the Bible. Obviously, Genesis is the first book. But chronologically, the book of Job was written before Genesis. And, and what are we talking in the book of Job? We're talking about your core being. And what does your core being do? Well, let's look at Job for just 60 seconds. Job was an upright man, and he was harmed. God allowed him to be harmed. He, he took his animals, his servants, and his family, and they died. And then he gave him a horrible physical injury, painful. Well, Job demanded an answer from God. It's very interesting how a man can demand an answer from, from God. But the fact is, the book of Job says there are going to be moral injuries. There are going to be injuries that you can't explain. And, and how do I think that, and why do I think that it's PTSD is mentioned in the book of Job almost by description. Look at Job chapter 7 and, and have him describe his nightmares and his dreams. So we're going to be moving into morality. Now, morality's been affected. You cannot get away from it. And if you do, you're going to seriously inhibit your ability to heal from this injury, okay? Now, when we look in a mirror, it basically shows your reflection, but it's not really who you are. Well, in PTSD, you can't look into a mirror and see it. But what you're going to see is your interpersonal relationships, your family, your wife, and your friends are going to kind of be a reflection for you of what has happened to you. Because PTSD doesn't exist in a vacuum. It exists in a social context. So when you confront your moral and spiritual core beliefs, they're going to affect your views about life and reality. And your life and reality views are basically a spiritual injury as well. Now, remember, if you were injured in battle, again, a frag wound, and you're wearing a, 
a Purple Heart. That's a physical metal that exists in reality. You can see it, and you got it for something that had happened to you. Well, PTSD doesn't happen like that. The next thing we're going to talk about is the interpersonal relationships that are going to be affected. Now, if you get a broken arm playing football, that's maybe an interpersonal injury if you're supposed to take the trash out for your wife. But other than that, things like that, they're not going to affect your interpersonal and relational life. And, and those with PTSD have to understand completely that this injury exists in others as well as yourself. And I don't mean just other people with PTSD. Your actions are going to affect others. Touchy-feely, here we go. Humans are social beings. So you now have a disease that's not communicable but does affect others. It's Your disease is also PTSD. You're going to be seen in a cultural context. Now, all cultures do not treat warriors the same way. Historically, warriors would come home from battle, and they'd have ceremonies where the entire tribe, the entire culture, local culture, would, would welcome them back, and also they would have atonement uh, ceremonies where the whole tribe would take responsibility for what the warrior had to do. So... You have to understand that your healing is going to occur in a cultural context. Well, I had an appendectomy, big deal. It was not a cultural event for anybody. You, you got cut, you felt better, and you went back on with your job. Now, family support is going to be critical. They have to understand what's going on. The veteran support is essential as well. You have to have other friends. I do want to warn people, there are veterans who are quite depressed, and if you, it's okay if you're a strong veteran and you're working your way through PTSD, but if you hang with veterans that are continually depressed and bringing you down, temporarily you're going to have to avoid these relationships. Why? Because PTSD is an interpersonal, uh, we'll call it an interpersonal injury. See, well, I thought I was the only one injured, but it's not true. Again, my appendectomy affected nobody but me, or my appendicitis. Now, what's going on, your relationships are a mirror that reflects how well you're doing. It indicates your recovery, and it also improves your connections with others. These are incredibly essential. After my appendectomy, I didn't care really who knew about it or didn't need to make more friends. PTSD is completely different. It's very real. It can be measured. And there are people that do that. Just read the medical journals. Now, we're not talking about superficial relations. If someone said, hey, how's your broken arm healing? That's a superficial relation. When you talk to somebody with PTSD, that's, that's a deep relation. That's a moral injury, and moral injuries do not exist at a superficial level. Now, what's happened to those people who've, who've got PTSD or acquired or were injured? You're going to notice that your emotional regulation has changed. Your ability to regulate your emotions is not what it used to be. 
it's been changed. And how does it change? Unless you routinely get angry yourself, it's actually changed your interpersonal relationships. Okay. You know, uh, Don, could, yes. uh, let me ask. Um, okay. The, one of the things about PTSD, you walk away from your military commitment. Maybe during that commitment, you've seen things, atrocities that you never thought you'd see in, in your life. You've been shot at. You've been this. You've been that. And you walk away, and uh, when you get your discharge, everything's fine. And you go home, and you get the hug, the kiss, and get to see your kids, or whatever the case might be. And then... Six months later, a year later, two years later, all of a sudden, you're not the same person. All of a sudden, your family's dealing with somebody they may not know. Am I on target or off target? Dave, you're, you're just totally on target. And, and that's why, you know, I, my appendectomy, okay, I had surgery. Wow, it hurt. But all my friends were the same. All the, uh, all my relationships were the same. But with PTSD, the worse your PTSD is, and they and they rate it on a scale. Uh, we're not going to go into the technical details on that now. But the worse your PTSD is, the worse your interpersonal relationships are, and the the. What you didn't realize, and, and you brought up, Dave, you had a skill set before you went to the war zone with dealing with problems. And you use that skill set on a daily basis to deal with people, to deal with problems. But what's happened after your injury, you, you've got a hair trigger going. Why? Because that was necessary. In scientific terms, your amygdala and hippocampus in your brain well, those systems were designed for fight or flight and assess situations rapidly. And you, and, okay. Georgia, this is Mark the Shark from Bite of Reality. Hey, just wanted to give you a quick shout out and let you know, vote Herschel Walker in the upcoming elections. You need to get Herschel. He's for family values, education, small business, and pro-Israel, pro-American energy. Herschel Walker is the person you gotta have. With Herschel Walker, you'll get common sense, not nonsense. Government by the people starts with Herschel. December 6th, vote Herschel Walker. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. Okay, and now it's time to get back to a place for veterans and talking about PTSD and how it affects different folks, how it affects you know, uh, many folks and, you know, I, I, I want to pause here for one second or a few seconds and just congratulate folks like 
Dr. Don, Don Moeller. And, uh, you know, he's, if you're having problems sleeping at night because of PTSD, Don has a helping hand for you, as a matter of fact. That's the best way I can put it. Um, and, uh, we, we won't go into that right now, but, uh, I want to congratulate all of the people that have finally, you know, they used to label folks after, particularly after World War Two, World War One, and and World War Two as as um, shell shocked. Uh, you know, they had all sorts of names and very little help. Today, we have the term PTSD, and more and more organizations and folks like Dr. Don Muller have jumped right into the PTSD pool to help, like we talk, uh, not only veterans that have seen the atrocities of the world, but also first responders, our police, our emergency um, responders uh, to our EMTs and so forth and so on, and a lot of women. And I think... What I'm seeing, Don, and, and which is great, is not only folks like yourself helping people, but families are finally gaining a little bit of knowledge on how it can affect someone. And, you know, like we said, you may be fine for years, or you may come back with it immediately. But anyway, at least we're paying attention to the terminology PTSD. And I applaud the medical field, uh, the psychology field, anybody that's helping and working with or trying to work with our veterans and our first responders. So back to you, Don. Well, Dave, I want to thank you for also having uh, America's Web Radio uh, stand up to sponsor this program because I'm not sure, but I don't think there's another one like it in the country. Uh, and so where your question that you brought up, I, I was thinking forewarned is forearmed. I mean, even if you're a, a new uh, EMT or uh, fireman uh, or a veteran just discharged, just forewarned is forearmed. You have to keep a close watch on this heart of mine uh, from Johnny Cash. Uh, you have to do it. Because there are increased levels, and the psychologists call it dysregulation, which are characteristic and predict the severity of your PTSD. In other words, the psychologist has a little scale checkbook. They can go down and they, uh, they can evaluate you. And you think, well, how do they know all this? They said, well, because you have an illness, you have an injury. Just like they evaluated how deep that frag wound was, you know, uh, it, it it's on a scale, and so it's not something somebody made up, and it's not just a touchy feely thing. So you have to keep a close watch on your on your on your interpersonal skills, and watch them deteriorate. And your friends, if you ask your friends, hey, honey, have I been a little rough? You'd be surprised at their answers. So here's the good news. Uh, there is a skill set that can be learned 
and I want to say that again, there is a skill set that can be learned, relearned, and practiced to help you navigate your social interactions. Let's give you an example. One is de-escalation. So you practice with someone. I mean, this sounds dumb until you, in your end of a marital disruption, you say, look, let's just rehearse something like, which car is the best car to buy? And so you go through that skill set of how to, how to listen to the other person. Because basically no one cares what car you buy anymore. There's so many brands. So then what you do, number two, is you restructure problematic interactions. And you put them into a, into a framework that you're going to use. Well, the key thing is knowing when you're ready to cook off. Because you, your interpersonal relationships, buddies, uh, don't, don't have a clue what's happening. We were talking about cars, and the next thing you know, you freak out. So these are de-escalation skill sets, restructuring skill sets. And so then you consolidate these in with your way of getting through life, and you integrate them into your daily behavior. So how do you do it again? You rehearse a neutral topic, and you use the skill set to de-escalate it when it's going in the wrong direction. Now, did, did I say this was easy? No. Well, why didn't I need a new skill set when I had my appendectomy? Nobody counseled me on that. Well, I didn't need one. That particular injury didn't need a skill set to get through life. So one of the things that you can learn in your skill set, you're going to have to be observant of your, of your friends, the non-veterans, the non-EMTs, the non-police, the non-firemen. These people are going to provide external clues. You have to learn to watch for these because they don't know what's going on. And you definitely can't imagine that, that the, the disease you brought home, the disorder you brought home, was actually capable of infecting, we'll use the word infecting loosely, affecting your social circle and, your, and, your, and violating cultural norms. So what did you learn in the war zone? Well, the first thing you learned is that if you act slow, you're going to die. So you you got an autopilot, an emotional autopilot, which will kick into action uh, immediately to preserve your life. And so if you, your hair trigger senses, we call them hair triggers, sense something is about to go south, you will be immediately pulled off your normal daily script of safety and remember, your interpersonal relationships, your friends have always lived in a safe environment. They've never been threatened. So when you feel yourself going off script, you have to catch it. You have to catch it early in order. And these things are skill sets that you practice. So here's, here's what I like to, like to say. Uh, you know, I took martial arts for a while. And... There were lessons that didn't were kind of touchy-feely because they were on observations. Now, just to give you an example, when someone confronts you on the street, you observe this person's proximity. If 
someone's closer to you that you don't know than three feet, you go on alert. You immediately observe their stance. You look for their arm position and their feet position. I'm watching their shoulder movement because that's where the punches originate. And the first thing you do is you stop listening to what they're saying to you. It's all physical. So what that what am I telling you? That's a skill set that you learn and you practice. And so if you go through, you know, when I'm walking downtown in a strange town, I'm on alert. I'm seeing how close people are. I'm seeing, are they doing strange things? Well, with respect to your PTSD, you have to do the same thing with your interpersonal relationships. So is this seeming to be helpful, uh, Dave? Yeah, and I, I think you're you're giving some very good examples that, uh, you know, and these are things that the people that you come in contact with should be doing as far as you're concerned as well. And, um, you know, you, you gave the example early on in the show about when you wake up in the morning and, you know, if you jump out or get out of bed, crawl out of bed, uh, and you snap at your wife or whatever, then you got a problem. And it, it's starting off the day in a fight instead of flight mood, you know? And, uh, these That's are things, these are things that the family has to, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a recovery process for the person that's suffering from PTSD, but it's a recovery just like deployment. And we've said this uh, thousands of times on the air. Uh, one person in deployed, the family is deployed. One person in the family doesn't have PTSD. The whole family has it. Right, right. And, and, and that's so way, a good way to... To summarize it, and, and another domain we're going to talk about is behavioral. So what does that involve? Well, first of all, it's, it involves healthy lifestyles. And I'm not here to get on my soapbox and preach, but this is what is recommended. First of all, you can't live on snacks and Cokes or any other soft drink, caffeinated soft drink. Why? Well, why do I bring it up is the more important. When you're on call, when you're waiting for the buzzer to go off, when you're waiting to do surgery, when you're waiting to go to the emergency room, the mess hall's closed. The hospital cafeteria isn't serving the healthy meals. So if I had a nickel for every crummy snack that I had, I'd be a lot wealthier than I am today. You have to consciously make it make a plan to try and eat healthy now you do this by not making unhealthy food available but you know hey i need the sugar buzz you go from zero to 60 in emergency care and and first responders but you just have to remember you just have to try to make unhealthy food unavailable okay now we all like a beer, a glass of wine. Well, just think about it. If you get, you get home after one of, quote, those days, uh, 
I had a, a fireman, a good buddy fireman. He said, "I don't look at it as as a six pack. I look at as look at it as my support group." Well, it's funny among EMTs and the first responders because we get it, but it's not funny to your brain and your and your capability of digging out from under interpersonal relationships and getting through PTSD. Now, the key word here is balance. You got the three F's. You have fun, family, and finances. And I made those F's myself. So if you decide to buy a brand new car or two or three and a big bass boat, and now you have to work two jobs, that's not balance. You're really not up for that. Because why? If you don't get a good night's sleep, you're already impaired in your emotional regulations. Give yourself a chance. Just don't line up so many things. Yeah, you say, hey, I got PTSD. I may just have to back off on on my purchases. Remember, when you purchase an expensive item, the government's not going to pay for it. You're going to have to pay for it, and you're going to have to work to do that. So if you do that and it's stressful, and you say, look, I'm thinking of my family. I want them to have the best. No, your family doesn't want you doing that. So you say, you mean because I have PTSD, I can't own two new cars? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because all you're doing is you're adding more stress to your life. And you pretty much have been bruised in the stress area of your life. And you're just making it worse. So the balanced life is you plan your family first. And then the recreation and the fun. And I don't mean to be sarcastic, but if there's something left over, that's for work. Now, obviously, you're going to have to go to work. But try and avoid buying things and getting into the situation where you know it's going to stress your family out. Because they'd much rather have you, and that doesn't mean if you're the woman in the, in the uh, earning a living or the man or however it came, comes down to it. The next thing I want to memorize, I mean mention, is exercise. Now, I'm not going to lecture anybody on that, but I'm going to talk about a home gym. Now, what is the purpose of exercise? Well, there are plenty of scientific studies that exercise beats depression. And I mean, by beating it, I mean it can be as effective as a medication. The other thing you need to understand is that 40% of PTSD patients can have a major depressive disorder. So isn't that great news? Well, it is a forewarned, it's forearmed. If I wrote a prescription for you to take this antibiotic because of an infection, you would probably do it. You say, well, look, it's on the bottle. I'm gonna write a prescription that you need to exercise three times a week. Now, what does that mean? That does not mean joining the gym and working your way up to curl 200 pounds. Didn't say that. You can get very effective workouts in your own home, in a room with, we'll call it, let's say, exercise, power bands or stretch bands. That's, that's plenty. Go through. There's so many things on YouTube on how to exercise and how to exercise in your particular age group. So 
what do you have to do? You have to plan as a prescription to eat healthy and exercise. Now, now here, here it comes. You have to change your environment. Now, that's, that's a tough one, and I'll tell you why. Because veterans, first responders, love to have a beer and a smoke with their buddies. Why? Because you're your social group. They get it. You don't have to explain to your fellow police officers or firemen or EMTs what it's like when you tell them it was a really bad day. They automatically get it. So I hope this is being helpful. Uh, is it, Dave? Yeah, and I think for uh, if I were to pull back and and try to make a point is that, you know, again, like I said, uh, it doesn't have to be that person that's wearing a uniform and leaves the house in the morning. You know, he or she already has it on their mind. Well, I don't know if I'm going to come back or not. And as they drive off, their husband, their wife, or whatever is saying, well, will I see him or she again, you know? And uh, they can suffer from PTSD just as much as the... Uh, as the person that's uh, directly involved, and that's right, Dave. That's and see, this is what you meant when you said your whole family is exposed to PTSD. You see, you, they will catch your stress. Now, we're going to move into the last last two. One are the external environments, such as high amount of noise. You already got upregulated CNS central nervous system bright lights by looking at a computer I'd recommend they get some darker glasses amber glasses because remember PTSD people or people with PTSD have had their central nervous systems upregulated they're more, they're more on, on a heightened alert and so what does that mean that means it doesn't need any more stress it doesn't need any more challenges. So you have to start thinking, hey, let's plan ahead. So now we're going to move into, and and I'm going to give you, everybody, some homework to do. I'm going to suggest, and I'm, we all know the, the movie, A Few Good Men, and uh, I like that movie, but when you think about it, I want you to get to look to look at that scene you can do it on youtube uh here's what a moral injury looks like okay it's not two philosophers sitting in a college auditorium behind a lectern debating each other what they think a moral injury is i want to i want to suggest that before we meet next week that you look at that scene in the courtroom now, here's some things. When the lawyer, Tom Cruise, yells, I want the truth, I think that I'm entitled to the truth. And what did Colonel Jessup say? You can't handle the truth. Now, what else did Jessup say? You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. Another 
thing. He said, I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. While my existence, while grotesque, may be incomprehensible to you, it saves lives. Now, Jessup also says, deep down in places you don't, do not talk about. So what am I talking about? What you have here in a courtroom is a discussion of a moral injury by Hollywood by some seriously great actors. And that's when someone says, what's a moral injury? I said, well, look, why don't you watch a few good men? Look at that word good. That's a moral statement. Good men. Where does goodness come from? It comes from God. Where does truth come from? Truth is not established in a scientific laboratory. They assume that truth exists and head for it. But if you look at the statements made by those actors, remember, that is what in the old days, in the 16th century, 15th century, were called morality plays. That, I think, that scene in A Few Good Men describes a moral injury. What happened? Tom Cruise, the Navy guy, the prosecuting attorney, was saying, we have a moral system. You can't do this to people. And what was Colonel Jessup Nicholson saying? You don't know what I know. You can't handle the truth. So if someone said, hey, what's this morality thing with PTSD? You get a good idea right there. And both those people were yelling and cursing yelling and cursing in a courtroom. And what did the judge say? He said, you don't need to answer that question. And why did Colonel Jessup answer that question? Because it was a moral issue that is fundamental to who he was. So I'm going to leave, leave it with that. I think that if you look at that, when we discuss morality and spirituality, it is not a touchy-feely subject. It is not a subject that you have to discuss in a college classroom with a bag of potato chips and a, and a soft drink. That courtroom scene displays what's going on in the mind of someone injured, had a moral injury and PTSD. So, Dave, what do you think about that for a homework assignment? <laughs> I think it's great. Uh you know, this is, uh, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, PTSD doesn't have to be because you were in the military, you were deployed, you were an EMT, you're, a, now you're an EMT, or now you're a first responder, responder. You know, from what you've said and what we've talked about, PTSD can affect anybody, school teachers. Uh, you know, there are school teachers now that are scared to teach. They're scared to go to class. Um, it can be anybody can suffer from it. And the what would be your one, or, or let me ask, and we sort of brushed by it earlier, and, you know, from a, from a veteran standpoint, one of the best therapies is talking to another veteran that's been there, done that. And uh, 
But then the person that's listening has to understand what he's listening to or what she's listening to, and that's very difficult in in many cases. And um, you're right. And and here's what PTSD does. You like I compared it to my appendectomy. I did not have to do a close, deep dive, personal introspection to deal with my surgery. When you're talking to someone with PTSD, if you do not do the close personal introspection as in moral injury, you, you are a rare bird now because a lot of people that you're going to meet have never done that introspection. You have been knocked down to the, to the same scene as in the courtroom. What are we doing here? What was a, you had a code red pulled in your life and you now have to explain it. How many other people or people watching that movie, which made $243 million, by the way, it was one of the top grossing films for whoever produced it because it dealt with fundamental issues. And when you talk to somebody who has not been in combat, has not had a moral injury and not done a personal introspection, they're not on your same level and probably won't understand. Oh, 30 seconds. Well, I, I would say when you get up tomorrow, guys, gals, remember, uh, your dog knows who you really are. And, uh, He's, he's on your side. He doesn't judge. He's non That's why dogs are so great. And cats too, I guess. They don't judge. Maybe cats do. But at any rate, that's, that's where you're aiming and your friends will help you get back there. And also consider the spiritual side and the moral effects. See if you can take time. It's only about five minutes to watch that court scene. And that will start us off for next week's discussion on moral injuries. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.